This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Did you all bring a Bible with you this morning? I don't want you to open it quite yet. I just want to uh, see if you brought one or a device or something like that. I want to just take a few moments. You know, of course, this is uh, Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, you know, it really is a very solemn time uh, when you consider that what it represents is the men and women who gave their lives so that you and I could be here today. And it really should be a time of reflection uh, for all of us. Uh, some of you, uh, you may know people very close to them, maybe family members that you have lost as a matter of war. Others, um, maybe it's a bit more distant friends, things of that nature. Uh, some of you, it could be that you really don't have a connection with uh, a family or, or an individual or something of that nature that you're aware of, let's put it that way, that, that literally um, gave their life so that you and I could be here today. So we have much to be thankful for. And when it comes, and, and this is such a tragedy within our country today because of, well, a lot of different things, but such a tragedy that the honor that is due unto these people and, you know, giving the full uh, measure of their devotion and giving their lives, and yet many in places of authority are careless about it. And so I guess then it's incumbent upon the rest of us to make sure that we let people that have been uh, in the armed services, I mean, they stepped up, many of them are here today, uh, and they came back. Uh, but a lot of them, their, their friends and the people that they were very close to did not. I have friends, you know, that were in the Vietnam War, and um, many of the people that they were acquainted with, they lost their lives. And uh, of course, you know, now more recently, uh, with this uh, business that's been going on in the Middle East, uh, lots and lots of people have lost their lives as well. So I really want you to don't, I mean, you know, it is a time for us to get together in family and do things and so on and so forth, but let's not forget what this uh, holiday represents. And what I'd like for you to do with me, uh, I know it's a little bit different, but I'd, I'd really like for you all just to stand with me. And what I'd like to do is I would just like to pray because there are families uh, today uh, who have members that are absent because they gave their lives. And I think about kids and children and all different ones that are growing up without dads and moms and, and um, they need our prayers because there's a void that exists within their lives. And um, I just think that it's appropriate. So if you would please with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you for this great land in which we live. And God, it was built upon the foundations of our fathers who believed in you and established it, Father God, upon your principles, principles of God. And Father, that, that we ought to be able to live in freedom and in harmony, and, and what a great nation it has been. All of the things, Father, that we have enjoyed because of your benevolent and gracious hand. You, Father, said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so, Father, today as a congregation and as a people, we come before you 
to thank you for what it is you've done for us, that we have enjoyed really incredible uh, periods of peace. And we thank you, Father God, for your grace upon this nation. But we pray, Father God, for all of those whose families, veterans, who've given their lives, Father, that feel and sense that absence um, within their family today. And God, we pray that your grace and your blessing would rest upon them, help them to know, Father God, that what took place was not in vain, but that the rest of us are enjoying the benefit of what it is that they were willing to sacrifice and give their lives for. We pray for them, Father. We pray for others, Father, that are in um, uh, the military today. Father, may they, be re- may they be honored. May they be revered and respected as they should. Father God, I pray that this country will recognize what it is that's been done for them. And Father God, not only that, but show the respect that is due unto these men and women. And so we thank you, Father God, for your blessing upon their lives, all of whom that are serving, Father, in this nation and even around the world. May your grace rest upon them. And Father God, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness in their lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. If you brought a Bible with you, I'd like for you to, I'd like to invite you to open it uh, to Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah the 11th chapter in the Old Testament. And you say, well, where's that at? Well, it's back there in the middle of your Bible. I guess if you have a Bible like mine, it's uh, page uh, 827. All right. You know, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. So if you hit on some of those, you're getting close. Okay? Or Isaiah chapter 11. Praise God. To preface this reading, I want you, you know, it's an amazing thing. Uh, Isaiah prophesied with regard to Jesus' coming 700 years before he showed up. It's a pretty amazing. And the detail uh, with which God uh, flowed through this man uh, to give us is incredible, especially the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. But in this chapter, chapter 11, Isaiah, by the Spirit of God, speaks not only of Jesus' first coming, but his second. Hallelujah. How many of you know he's coming again? Turn to your neighbor and say, you know, he's coming. Yeah, he's coming again, praise God. I'm telling you what, glory to God, and I'm looking for him. How about you? You know, a lot of folk, they ain't looking for him, and they are going to be one surprised outfit, huh? Yes, and uh, so praise God, you know, at least the rest of us can say, hey, we've been looking, we've been waiting, hallelujah, and it's going to be glorious. But anyway, so this is, uh, you know, the context of, uh, I'm just going to pull a verse out of it, and, um, but I wanted to give you the context. It's basically a prophetic revelation of Jesus' first and second coming. But I want you to notice here in verse 9, it says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. He's talking about the reign of Christ at his coming. And it says, For the earth shall be full. Everybody say full. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. Of course, this is talking about the Messiah, Jesus, 
which shall stand for and in sign, the King James uses, of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for that? All because of, and essentially what he's saying is, is because of Jesus coming, ruling and reigning, people like you and I, the Gentiles, will rejoice and experience the rest that only Jesus can give, and he said it would be glorious. But I want to talk to you this morning about the knowledge of God, being full of the knowledge of God. This particular verse of Scripture says, praise God, that the earth shall be full or filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All men will know, hallelujah, about Jesus the Christ and what it is that he's done. Now I'm going to ask you an important question this morning. To some of you, it may seem a bit obvious or frivolous. Uh, Maybe some of the rest of you, maybe not. But here it goes. Y'all ready? How important is God in our lives? How important is God in our lives? Like I said, it seems like a fairly obvious answer, you know, to the question. But when you look around at the contemporary culture of the world in which we live and how people are doing life, um, that may not be so obvious. Because for many, the importance of God in their life doesn't seem to exist. Isn't that unfortunate? That's why Jesus, you know, (laughs) gave birth to the church. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Are you listening to me? You know, salt, you know, is a preservative. You used to use it on meat all the time in order to preserve it. We're the preservers of life. Are you listening to me? And the world, of course, you know, needs to know that. But again, you know, uh, um. When I talk about how important God is in your lives, I want to qualify that. I'm talking about the influence that God may or may not have within our lives. How engaged are we in the pursuit of knowing God? From a natural or a relational standpoint, what do we know about God and, uh, with regard to his nature or his character? Because those are important things. You know, we just got done singing, God, you're so good. A lot of folk, they don't know that God's a good God. They don't know about that attribute of his nature that he is inherently and all good. Okay? Well, if you don't know that, then it leaves you at an impasse. It leaves you, uh, you know, with a void. And it really makes it difficult for you, again, to be able to relate to him. And better yet, talking about, you know, uh, how important God is in our lives, do we know what it is that pleases God? And do we make that our ambition to act, 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 do accordingly? Then finally, is there this reverential fear of God within our lives that should be there? Hallelujah. Well, back to our original question. How important is God in our lives? Turn to Isaiah chapter 55. 
in your Bibles there, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 55. And notice here in verse 6. I don't know, you might not have that, Jim. I'm sorry, these are this chicken tracks I put in after I gave you your stuff. Isaiah 55. Notice in verse 6. Seek you, seek ye, <laughs> seek ye, you, you, you dirty rat. No, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now listen to this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts." For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please. And glory to God, it's going to prosper wherever I send it. You know, God sends his word to people to help them, to bless them, to deliver them, to set them free, to give them peace. Hallelujah. He sends his word. Now, he did say his thoughts aren't ours, you know, higher than ours, of course. But thank God he has made known his thoughts or his ways to us through the New Testament, through the word of God, so that we may know, hallelujah, the things that have freely been given to us. Glory to God. Now, you know, uh, you see all these television shows, you know, they're supposed to be reality shows. There ain't nothing reality about this. You know, naked and afraid. Who runs around naked and afraid? I mean, that's stupid, okay? But it sure sells, you know? And they're out there, you know, trying to survive for whatever the duration is and some kind of ungodly environment and whatever the case might be. And they send them out there, you know, with a little satchel. I mean, they ain't got nothing. They're naked, you know. Now, most of the time, it's just a matter of them trying to survive. But, you know, trying to get from point A to point B, I, I don't, by the way, in case you're wondering, I don't watch Naked and Afraid, <laughs> all right? Just so you're, you know, clear. But there are others, you know, it's all about these survivalist skills and things of that nature and. And um, one of the things that becomes important is, is that you know what direction you're going, trying to get from point A to point B. Well, you know, there are times when a compass can kind of come in handy because, you know, you get in search, certain situations and you don't know what direction you're going. I remember one time I was down on the Missouri River hunting mushrooms. Did anybody find any mushrooms this year? Josh. One batch, yeah. He's holding back. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> we went down and, you know, uh, we got down to the river, you know, and we got in there and, and uh, we're hunting mushroom and we're all over the place and we're actually having some good success. That's always a blessing. Glory to God. Well, the thing about it is, is that when you're hunting mushrooms, you're, some people look down. And there's a lot of down looking you have to do, of course. But when I go into a timber, I'm looking up. 
and I'm looking for a dead tree, particularly an elm tree, and wherever that elm tree is, man, that's where I'm going. Because otherwise you'll be running around all over. This is just a little tidbit for you. I thought you might like to have it. Now, the problem is, is that we don't have, you know, when we had the uh, elm disease, man, we were in tall cotton where the morels were concerned. Well, anyway, so, you know, you find this and that, and you get down, you get to looking. Well, all of a sudden, I was with a friend of mine, and all of a sudden I looked up, and guess what? Everything looked the same. I mean everything. And I'm thinking, dear God, and, and you know, huge canopy, the trees, you know, are uh, over the top of us and everything like that. And I didn't have a clue where I was. Now, I knew there were some railroad tracks. You know, we'd went down these tracks and then we kind of jumped in and took off. But I didn't know where the railroad tracks were. I mean, which direction are they? This way, this way, that way, this way? And for a while, me and my friend are out there wandering around, trying to figure out. And thank God, and it's getting dark. Everybody say dark. dark. Yeah. And I want to go home, you know what I'm saying. And so finally, I came across uh, an area that seemed somewhat familiar, and I thought, the tracks are over there. And so we found the tracks, and away we went. And we, you know, went home. With our bag. It's a risk you got to take, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, the reason that I use this analogy is, is that, you know, people who have no accurate knowledge of God are lost. And they don't even know it. Many of you, before you came to Christ, were lost. That's the way the Bible describes it. It says the God of this world, it said, it said if, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those that are lost. Isn't that the, the terminology? When you don't have a compass, when you don't have accurate knowledge about God, you're lost. That's all there is to it. Now, you know, there's religion, but religion won't help you. We've seen that time and time again. That's man's way of trying to figure God out, and guess what? That's not the way it works. The Bible says that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you know we need Jesus in in a in a absolute total uh, s- surrender to Him, to Christ, and to His purposes? The unfortunate thing about religion is that it's man-made, so that we can do our dirt and still feel like we're, quote-unquote, close to God, and we're not close at all. Are you with me? Religion does nothing to help mankind except deceive them and send them to hell. But a relationship with Jesus Christ can change your life forever. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. That is a great time for you to shout and you miss the opportunity. Hallelujah. But people are without a way. The real truth is, is if you don't know Jesus, you're without a clue, without a way. And it becomes important for us, again, as the body of Christ, you know, to share with people what we know. 
You know, there's, there's recent reports of those, you know, people that get rescued. You'll see them, they go out in Yosemite, and all of a sudden they don't show up, and they're out there for a week. Have you seen them after they finally find them? Pretty rough shape. That's what lost people look like. And then, unfortunately, some of them they never do find. Some of them they find at the bottom of a cliff or whatever the case might be. It's such, a, it's such a, uh, an incredible imagery of, of people who know God and people who do not. So when I ask the question, how important is it for you to, to know God? I'm telling you, it's important. In every aspect of our lives, we should know Him as much as we can. And uh, because, again, people are without a clue. Again, I use this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. Paul said, if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it's veiled to those that are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So this scripture tells us, the Bible describes, those without the gospel are lost. How many of you remember what it was like to be lost? Huh? It wasn't good. The God of this world is the one who's doing the veiling or the hiding. You don't need that religion stuff, you know. I just hear recently somebody said, that they had a relationship with someone, and, and it was a bad relationship. The person was caustic, you know, but they were religious. And so when it came to talking to this person about their own engagement or involvement within the church, they said, well, I tell you what, that, that whole deal there turned me off to that whole church business and that religion stuff. So in other words, this person decided to hinge their spiritual life and everything that's going on in, in their life on the basis of this quote-unquote representative of church and religion. Bad idea. Just because somebody you know, goes and jumps off the cliff doesn't mean you need to. But they equate or they associate, well, this person here represents the church. Maybe not. And I dare say that if, in fact, it is that way in your life, you're missing the point. Amen. You know, when I, before I got saved, I looked at religious people, and I thought, I don't want that. I sure don't need that. You know, they got their nose in the air, and they're all, you know, righteous, quote-unquote, and doing whatever it is that they're doing, and I'm a sinner, and I kind of like it. Huh? You know? So I don't want anything to do with them, but then I ran into Jesus, and he had nothing to do with that. But he changed me from the inside out and made me a new creation. Are you listening to me? So the next time you run into somebody and they're offended or whatever, they're not in church, they're not engaged because of something relationally that has gone on in their past, you know, because somebody didn't represent the kingdom of heaven, you know, um, you can just say, why are you being so dumb? And that'll go over great, okay? But really the fact of the matter is, is that they're staying away because of somebody else's misrepresentation of the true kingdom of heaven. That's not a good idea. I said, that's not a good idea. 
Let me say that one more time. That is not a good idea. Well, glory to God. Now, so, you think about lost people. We're talking about being filled with the knowledge of God. We'll get to you later. We're talking about them now. Is that all right? And so when talking about lost people, you know, there's basically two reasons why people are lost. Number one is, is they don't know. It's what they don't know. God said, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge, right? They don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know until I was 19. That Jesus loved me and gave his life for down. Now, people told me, but I didn't know it. But thank God when I come to find out and knew it, I responded. Everybody say responded. How many of you know you have to respond? I said you have to respond. So one of two reasons why people are lost. Number one is they don't know, and the others are lost because they have rejected. Somebody pitched them the gospel saying, nah, not me. And the God of this world has told them a lie to keep them out of the kingdom of heaven. So they either don't know or they're lost because they've rejected the truth and the reality of God our creator. Because guess what, folks? What God has said about himself is absolutely true. And you can go to the bank on it. And this is the record of it right here. He has seen fit to tell us the truth about himself and about us and the plan that he has and what he wants to do. But if you reject it, if you don't accept it, for whatever the reasons, whatever lie it is that you've chosen to believe, then you wind up in hell without a Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, now again, if you put no stock in this, if it has no place of authority in your life, then really what I'm going to tell you here in just a moment won't matter. But the Bible says, now I forgot what I was going to tell you. What's the Bible say? Uh, I'll get back to that. Don't ask me. I was going to say, let God be true and every man a liar. But that's good. It was another scripture. Maybe later. Okay. It was really good. You should have been there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, anyway, so, so here's what happens. People get into the world, and they see how everybody else is living, and they decide, I like that, I don't like that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What's, what's really unfortunate is, is they throw the compass away. I don't need that compass. I don't need religion. You're right, you don't need religion but you do need a relationship with him. Are you listening to me? They think they don't need it. I don't need that. It's, it's so inherent within the sinful nature of man to think that they don't need God. And the God of this world supports it. You don't need God. You're your own person. You can do whatever it is you want. After all, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And people say, yep, 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 yep. And they miss out on the life that Jesus came to give them and could give them if they would just follow him. Now, I know there's sacrifice. I know there's a, a price to it. 
But I'm telling you, not once has God ever lied. Not once. And when Jesus said, I came so that you could have life, you don't even know what life is until you understand the life that Jesus came to give you. To where you're, fear, you're, you're free from fear. And that you, li- you actually really have peace that only he can give. Glory to God. So a lot of people just throwing the compass away thinking they don't need it. Jesus spoke of these people in a parable. He said, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? He said, a disciple is not above his teacher, and everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So in other words, if you say, I don't need Jesus, I don't need his instruction, I don't need him to tell me what to do, that would be a blind person. And you're going to end up someplace that you don't want to be. Trust me. People destroy their lives every day because they think they don't need God. Now, like I said, when I originally asked you the question, it seemed, you know, obvious. Yeah, we need God. Well, that's true, but a lot of folk don't act like it. Not in the real world. Not in reality. They're out there banging around, doing whatever it is they do, and they got their own ambitions, and they're chasing this and that and the other, and they don't put God first. He's just kind of a byword, you know. If it kind of works out, maybe we can do something there. They can be the ENCers, you know. You say, what's that? That's the Easter and the Christmas folk. Some of them, they don't even make it then. Huh? That's just another day off. It's a sad, sad thing. So the compass... For your life and everything that you need is found within the knowledge of God. Everybody say, thank God for his word. You know, I was reading a recent uh, newsletter. And in the letter, they were just talking about what they're doing. And they're also talking about, you know, needing support and things of that nature. And, And this statement just jumped off the page at me. It said, help us bring hope, help, and healing to families, now listen, through the knowledge of God. And that that, that one phrase, through the knowledge of God, just jumped off the page at me. Because I realized that, you know, as a pastor in pastoral ministry, all I have to offer you is the knowledge of God. If I can teach you the truth about God from His Word and help you to understand that, then at least you have the opportunity to do something with it. Okay? I can't make you do it, but I can sure say, here's what it says. So, giddy up. You know? But you know, I can't make anybody do anything. You can't lead no horse to water. Well, you can, but you know what I'm saying? That's right. I knew it was coming. You can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. I can tell you the truth, but I can't make you do it. You know? Thank God. So, again, you know, when Peter was talking about the responsibility of pastoral ministry, he said, he said I want you to feed the flock of God over which you've been given the oversight 
Taking the oversight thereof, actually, is the way it says. So our responsibility is to feed and to lead. So to the best of my ability, I'm going to tell you what I know. All right? And not only that, I am responsible to be an example. My wife and I are charged to be an example. I'm not running around with other women. I'm not stealing the church's money. I'm not, you know, doing whatever, uh, you know, people do. We're living our lives before you as we know best to be an example to you of what life can be and should be in Christ Jesus. We're not perfect. Anybody that spends very much time with us will figure that out. Huh? But it is our ambition. Amen. I'm going to live out the full length of my days following Jesus. And I'm not going to bring a reproach upon him about the way that I live, nor is she. Someday, you know, we'll give all this to somebody else and they can do whatever it is they want. But in the meantime, back at the pass, we're going to be doing the kingdom of God's business. Are you with me? That's what people need. They need somebody to look at and say, you know what, they didn't go stupid. You can't believe the number of people that I've seen come in this church that have had all kinds of failings and all kind of messed upness and everything like that. Preachers, ministers, maybe that's a better way to put it, ministers. You know, and the one comment they'll say is, is boy, I tell you one thing about it. You know, there's stability here. Well, I think that's part of our responsibility. You know, we didn't pull up stakes or run off someplace or do whatever. No, we're here because God asked us to do it. You know, it's a calling. It's not just an idea. And we're doing everything we can to try to help people find their lives in Jesus Christ and live for him. Not just in name. Dear Lord God. We're to be about the Father's business, engaged in kingdom business. Are you with me? Well, anyway, enough about all that. Y'all doing okay? So he said, help us bring hope, help, and healing to families, listen, through the knowledge of God. That's what's going to help you. You need the truth. Because the truth will make, it'll make you what? So whether sinner or saint, the answer to questions and problems that we face in life are found within the knowledge of God. So the issue is not whether the knowledge of God is true or not. Now for some, maybe that's a, an issue, but I'm telling you, it's not, a, it's not an issue. People make it an issue. Well, how do you know the Bible's true? Because it's true. It's true. Historically, you could prove that the Bible is true. Well, you know, I found this one verse of Scripture, and it says something, you know, it seems to contradict another one. Well, I don't know how you interpret whatever it is you've got going on there, but I'm telling you, God's Word is true. So it, the issue is not whether or not His Word is true. Well, I know this one. I don't care who you know. I'm telling you, the Word of God is true. Well, this wasn't their experience. I don't care about their experience. I'm telling you, the Word of God is true. You know, when I first got saved, I wasn't real smart. 
and I assumed a lot of things that were not true. Huh? But thank God God was gracious. Aren't you glad for His grace? Amen? And He got me turned around. He got me fixed up. He helped me. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Because we got a lot of different ideas about, you know, we bring all this junk into our relationship with God and in the church, and we're all goofed up, and, you know, we need help. We need large doses of water, the washing of the water of the Word to get our thinking straightened out. Glory to God. So the issue is not whether the knowledge of God is true or not. The issue is what are you going to do with it? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Woo! I tell you, people get so excited when they realize that they're going to actually have to do something. Huh? Well, no, Pastor, I thought this was, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you thought it was. That's not it. <clears throat> you know? What's that one? Blab and grab. And there's another part to that. Blab and grab. I don't matter. You got to do something. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, you know, that kind of thing. People really like that. Why? Because they don't think that they have to do anything. They just claim it. Well, you know what? There needs to be corresponding actions to what it is that you're talking about. Oh, great one. Woo! So the issue is what is it that we're going to do about it? Like, for example, you know the Bible tells us that we're to walk in love. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to love those who love me, but the rest of them, I don't care. Nope, that don't work. That's not what the Bible says. So that won't work. Now, you can go ahead and live your life that way, of course, yeah, sure, uh-huh, yeah. No, when it says that we're to love as He loved, and that He put His love in us, to give us the capacity to do so, then we have a responsibility to love everyone. Hmm. Okay. Did you know that the gospel, the gospel is a message that brings salvation? God chose through the foolishness of preaching that people would get saved. You know, the wise and, you know, all of these, you know, people that sit around, the intellectuals and academics, you know, they don't get it. Because unless there's some function where they are involved in their own whatever, then it just can't be true. Well, it is true. And guess what? There ain't nothing you can do about it except surrender your heart and your life and everything to him. So all your arrogance and everything goes out the window. Aren't you glad you came this morning so that you could hear this message? Hallelujah. Amen. The gospel brings salvation. The foolishness of preaching is how people get saved. And what is preaching? It's the proclaiming of the knowledge of God. And when people know that truth or come to know that truth, it changes their life. You know, I'll give you another example. A lot of times people, it isn't that you can't change your circumstance or turn things around. The problem is, you ready for this? You don't want to. Okay, I'm going to go over here. I'm telling you, it is not an issue 
Some of you, you know, you know what's going on. Come on. You know, you don't want to. I got a little bit more help over here. It's true. You know, I mean, it, this isn't rocket science. You know, like, for example, you know, sometimes people end up in, and I'm not talking about a married circumstance, although that could be included, but sometimes people get in bad, uh, bad relationships, and they just, they don't feel like that they can, you know, get out of it. Well, you can. Matter of fact, if you're not, you know, somehow, you know, by marriage or something like that, committed to, you know, uh, this situation, you need to get out of it. If it's a bad, caustic unhealthy, unholy, unrighteous relationship. Are you listening to me? Why? Because it'll destroy you. It'll kill you. We got people that live with one another now. They think nothing about it. We got all kinds of transgender stuff going on and people doing all stuff. And they think, hey, this is my life. I can do whatever. Yes, you can. But I'm telling you, there is a higher authority called God Almighty. And he has set the ground rules and the standards by which and for which we are to live. That's why we have the problems in the world we have. Because people say, I don't need God. And so they go do their dirt. And it ends up in many ways costing them their lives. So I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to argue. I'm not God. But I can read. And I can tell you this much about it. We, it's incumbent upon us as human beings, to recognize and revere and fear what it is he says. Because if you don't, there is a consequence headed your way. He made the rules. Are you listening to me? So, you know, again, you know, this is kind of the, you know, solemn, hard, giddy-up kind of stuff. But, you know, thank God if you're on the right side of it, you don't have to worry about it. Man, I want to pursue God's plan for my life. I want to do what it is that he wants me to do. How many of you with me? Huh? So that's what we're going to do, glory to God. You know, um, talking about this whole deal about want to. I, I, I preached a message before, how big's your want to? You know? But you take the woman with the issue of blood. Here's a woman for 12 years that had this condition in her body. She couldn't get healed. Doctors couldn't help her. Spent everything that she had, so now she's a pauper. And I mean... She didn't get better. She got worse. I mean, you talk about uh, the very picture of failure and loss and deficiency and lack. And all of a sudden, somebody said something, told her, when she heard of Jesus. Now, we don't know what she heard, but she must have heard that he was healing people. Because she had a condition in her body. And she, and she must have heard that people were literally touching him and were getting healed. And so she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And you know what? That woman got up from that place of deficiency and lack and, and, and fatigue and and all of the things that you can describe. I mean, think about the obstacles that, that, that really, literally stood in this woman's way, and yet she did or made an effort to do what was necessary for her to get to him. Amen. But a lot of times in the church world today, people don't, they won't do that. 
They won't commit. They won't, they won't step up. They won't do whatever it is that they need to do. And it's sad. Because, praise God, God has made us a witness and a testimony to him. Are you with me? Well, she made her way. She touched the hem of his garment. And with that touch of faith came virtue that flowed from him into her. And she knew in that moment she was healed. And Jesus knew that something had gone from him. See, the anointing of God is tangible. He felt it. She felt it. And I'll tell you what, things were different. He said, who touched me? You know, the disciples said, Jesus, we're doing everything we can to keep this throng back from you. What are you talking about who touched me? Everybody's trying to touch you. But this was a different touch. And it was a touch of faith. Because she decided that she was going to have something that heaven was offering. And you can have something that heaven is offering if you want it. People need to be all in. And most of the time, they're not. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. You want your life to be different? You want your marriage to be different? You want your kids to be different? You want, you know, whatever to be different? Then, dear friend, I'm telling you, praise God, you can have it. Glory to God. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 1, when Paul is, when he finds out about what's going on in, in uh, Ephesus and that people are getting saved and turned on to the Word, he uh, commends them and then he talks to them about the, how he's praying for them. And I want you to notice with me, if you would, in, in chapter 1, verse 15, he said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So here's how Paul is praying. You know, if you want to pray for someone, pray this prayer for them. Put their name in it. So he goes on then to explain that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Hallelujah. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in saints, and what is the exceeding greatness, the exceeding greatness, the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. Glory to God, everybody say it, I have his power. Say it again. You have his power. And Paul is praying, oh, I want you to be able to see the exceeding greatness of his power to you who believe. And then he describes it when Christ was raised from the dead. You've got his power. So it isn't that we're without ability. Oh, you never know. You know, Pastor, I'm telling you, it's really rough. I got it hard. You know, and I just said... (laughs) 
That don't work. I said, that don't work. I said, that won't work. You know, you can accuse and excuse and do whatever uh, the rest of your life. But at some point, dude, I mean, praise God, you got to, you know, pull up your bootstraps, saddle up, praise God, and ride. Hallelujah. Okie dokie. My wife, man, I tell you what, I, I'm into these westerns. There ain't anything else on to watch anyway. It's all junk. You know, so when I get a good movie, you know, a little John Wayne movie, I tell you what, man, well, never mind. Just leave me alone. If you don't like it, it's all good. Just leave me alone. I'm having a great time in my own little world, okay? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Turn to Ephesians chapter 3, just a couple pages over. Ephesians chapter 3. Again, Paul is talking about, well, he talks about our calling, and then he starts talking about conduct and conflict. Uh, I, that's a whole other message in and of itself with this letter that he wrote to them. But notice here in uh, chapter 3, again, he begins his prayer. And uh, let's start with verse um, 14. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Everybody say, I have his power. You got it, baby. Notice verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you being rooted and grounded in him may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know or perceive the love of Christ, listen, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can even ask or think according to the power that works within you, hallelujah, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Listen, if you go to a church and they're not, pre they're not preaching a victorious Christian living, you're in the wrong church. Because Jesus Christ won the battle and he reigns victoriously. He said, I have got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Now go in my name and live as I would have you to live. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You don't have to let sin dominate your life. You don't have to put up with all of the junk that's going on in the world. You found a new way of living, a new life, divine, love, joy, health, peace. Jesus made them mine. You got power. You got victory. And I'm telling you, if they're not preaching that, you don't want to be there. Because I'm telling you what, praise God, the gospel's not a sad song. Are you with me? Glory to God forevermore. Now, you'll notice in those two prayers, back at the past, you'll notice in those two prayers, the common denominator in both of Paul's prayers was for you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. 
filled with the knowledge of God. Jesus made this statement to those disciples that believed on him. He said, if you'll continue in my word, if you will continue in my, if you'll abide in my, if you'll practice my word, if you'll follow my word, then you're my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Freedom sometimes is a bit of, it's a process. Hallelujah. And the further you go with him, the freer you get. Hallelujah. Happy. Woo. Glory to God. Because of what it is he's done. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. What a revelation. Hallelujah. That you don't have to allow the devil to beat you up day after day and condemn you for this, that, and the other. But rather, praise God, you can rejoice. Woo! Glory to God. I tell you, a little rejoicing would help a lot of you. Just a little, you know, praise break. Instead of a coffee break, you praise break. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. What do I got to rejoice about? Everything. If you're a child of God, you've got everything to rejoice about. Woo, glory to God. You say, well, you sure are stirred up. Yes, I am. Because of the greater one in me. I've got great reason to rejoice. And so do you. So notify yourself. Well, but you don't know the problems I've got. You don't know what's going on in my life. Nope. But he does. And the answer is the same for every circumstance. Look to him and rejoice. And he'll get you out of it. Hallelujah. Well, how do you know God wants me? You know, this might be my cross to bear. You need to read your Bible. Huh? You probably need to get out of that dead church, too, and find out something, praise God, that'll help you. Say, can you say that? already did. You know, when we got saved, we got turned on to the Word of God, and then we got filled with the Holy Ghost, so we were really out of control at that point. You know, it's one thing to get saved and know the reality of Jesus and get excited about what it is you're doing, but then you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Woo, glory to God, you talk about being undone. So we thought that, you know, there was this move of God, everybody's getting saved. So everybody's going to get saved. Everybody in the church is going to get saved. They're all going to get turned on to the Word, and they're all going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Guess what? That did not happen. No, as a matter of fact, all hell broke loose. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that didn't work out so good. But I tell you what, there's freedom in Jesus. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ that Jesus and God the Father is building the church. And the gates of hell will never prevail against it. I was praying this morning, you know, just preparing for the service. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, the way the church is built is the way it will be sustained. The thing that builds the church. You know, you go back in history, historically, whether it's Martin Luther or, you know, it's, uh, who's the Methodist guy? Huh? Stop talking all at once. What? Yeah, John Wesley. You know? And you look at all these guys, you know, you see where these churches were formed from. And I'm telling you, they were formed from a person who was on fire for God. 
And I mean, they were taking no prisoners, baby. They were willing to lay their life on the line, man, and go for it. Now those churches are all dead. Well, not all of them, but most of them. You know, they've let the devil in. You know, they let all kinds of, you know, cultural things, you know, crowd in there. You know, we just love everybody just like you are. Well, God loves everybody, but not like they are. Because God wants to change people from the inside out. I ain't taking it back. I'm just telling you the truth. Are you with me? You know, so in every generation, God raises up these people that, that, that they're just on fire for God. They love God. They want more of God. They want to follow God. They want to live for God. Woo! Yeah. And it's that revelation of God that not only builds the church, but that's what sustains it. You know, we talk about getting filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. My God, some people, there they got their crosses out like you think they're the year of the devil. It's not the devil, it's God. Now, it can be weird. You know, people can do weird stuff, but that doesn't, that doesn't do away with the genuine. It doesn't do away with the power of God. He said, Beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't think it gets much clearer than that. Well, I don't think too much about that. It doesn't matter what you think. I know I'm in rare form this morning, but, you know, it's one of them deals. It's not about you. Well, I don't understand it. Then find out. Learn. The church was built upon the Holy Ghost's outpouring. He told the disciples, he said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you receive this promise of the Father. So it's a promise. It's from God. And yet people are saying, I don't know about that. I think that's of the devil. Now remember, remember, I told you earlier, just because of what somebody's doing does not necessarily represent what is true. You say, yeah, but how do you, how do you sort all that out? You do it through the knowledge of God. You find out the good. Praise God. It's like my, my uh, spiritual father said, eat the hay and leave the sticks. Amen. How many glad you came today? I am. Glory to God. Think of it this way. Why did Jesus come? Came for you. Salvation. But why else did he come? You're all talking at once again. He came to reveal the the Father, or the truth. He said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. How Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by the Holy Ghost and power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Huh? So he came to reveal the Father to us, his nature, his character, his will, and not only that, well, like I said, he came to, to reveal the will of God. Isn't that right? So we look at him. 
You say, yeah, but when I look at him in the Bible, it doesn't line up with what's going on in my life. Well, thank God, whatever it is that's going on in your life is temporal and subject to change. And we can get it turned around. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. You know, here's, this is a beautiful story, and I've, I've mentioned it many, many times, but the woman with the, the, not the woman with the issue, the woman at the well. Here's a Samaritan. She's got no status. She's got no belonging. She's nothing. She's a Samaritan. She's not a Jew. Jesus sitting on this well. This woman comes up to draw water, and he asks her for a drink. Well, that freaks her out because she can't understand why he's even talking to her. You know? Now, here's the deal. Listen to what he says. He said, woman, if you knew the gift of God, I'm talking about the knowledge, being filled with the knowledge. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you'd ask from him. And he would give you living water. I'm telling you, how many of you want some living water? I tell you, sometimes you don't have it because you're not asking. Woo! Glory to God. You know, there's really something about a reckless abandonment toward God that is so incredibly healthy. He said, if you knew, you'd ask him, he'd give you living water. She said, man, the well is deep, man. I mean, where, where are you going to get this water from? He says, well, go call your husband. Uh-oh, now we're getting down in the short rows. It's getting personal. Now, is he trying to embarrass her? No. What's he trying to do? He's trying to help her. Huh? He's, he's, not, he's, not, gonna, he's, not, he's not condemning her, but I'll guarantee you when that statement got made, she thought, uh-oh. She says, well, I don't have a husband. Now, if you think it's going to get <laughs> tight, listen to this. He says, yeah, that's true. You don't have a husband. You've been married five times. I'd say that life hadn't been real good. In other words, her success rate was not good. Like Liz Taylor or somebody. <laughs> How many times was she married? My wife's going, what difference does it make? Well, <laughs> just looking for an example, honey, that's all. Been married five times, and the guy that you find yourself with right now is not your husband. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, again, he's not in the middle of her stuff because he wants to hurt her or condemn her or blame her. What's he want to do? Same. He wants to tell her the truth and help her yeah. with the knowledge. If you knew the gift of God and who it is, you'd say to him. See, that, it, when she surrendered to him, was going to change all that. Yes. You with me? Yes. I'm telling you, God's so good. And he is so merciful. You can have your life so jacked up. And I tell you what, he can come in and he can begin a process and he can clean it up from the inside out. Why? Because he loves you. Loves us in our sin. Loves us in our messed upness. Loves us in our dysfunction. Loves us in, you know, whatever it is going on. Well, you know, this is just the way I am. Well, how about the way I am gets changed? That's an excuse. Well, you know, I was, you know, went through my life and I'm this, blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Nobody cares about that. 
Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for you and made you a new creation. Listen, listen. And old things did what? Passed away. That guy died. I run into my classmates all the time. And they're saying, you know, hey, I remember this. And I mean, you were a real hellraiser. That guy died. He was buried with Jesus in baptism and was raised again to be able, thank God, to walk in newness of life. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say it again. I have his power. You got his power. So you can do it. Well, I never, you know, got a fair shake or, you know, I'm, you know, got behind the curve. Dude, I was as messed up as anybody. Well, maybe not. I was pretty messed up. But I'm telling you what, praise God, he can change your life. And he can move you up. All you got to do is start believing it. Stop believing the lie. Well, you know, I grew up in this dysfunctional family and my dad was this and he didn't treat me that and my mom was absent and whatever. You know, everybody's got a story. We all have a story. And we're not minimizing what it is that's going on. What we're talking about is what he can do in your life if you will follow him. Because I tell you what, praise God, he'll, he'll turn your world upside down and set it right. Man, I tell you what, a guy could preach in here all afternoon. I tell you, it is good because God's trying to get your attention and he's trying to help you. Man, I tell you what, if I could use dynamite or if I could use defibrillators or whatever I could use, I would do it right now. Shock you into something. Glory to God. Now, he told this woman, he said, if you knew and so my, I guess, trying to bring this thing to a close, man, I'm telling you what, the answer to your problem is in this book. So, well, I ain't got time for that, Pastor. That's why we pay you. You're supposed to, you don't come up with it. Some of this stuff, praise God, is more caught than taught. And sometimes you just got to mine it out for yourself. Are you with me? Thank God for what the preacher can do. But you know, here's the thing. And the psalmist of old in Psalm 107.20 said, He sent His Word and healed them. Can you put that up there, Jim? He sent His Word and healed Now listen, and delivered them from what? How did He do it? What did He do? Sent His Word. He sent His Word. He sends His Word. Well, God, you're not helping me. He sends His Word. Well, God, don't, you don't understand. He sends His Word. It's His Word. And what you do with the Word that He has said to you. Boy, i got so many other things here and I ain't got enough time. People are living in fear. This whole thing with COVID, dude, has turned the world upside down. Now, 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 you know, the cat's getting out of the bag. And there's a lot of stuff going on that wasn't so much. And now everybody's really angry. Because why? Because we've been lied to. Oh, imagine that. But I tell you what, people were reeling in fear. 
And even still. But I, you know, and maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else that you're afraid of. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But you know what? There's a promise in the Bible. And God is going to send his word to you. And it is his word that will deliver you from your destruction. So you don't ever have to be afraid again. God has not given you a spirit of what? But of what? And? And? Love. Power. Love. And a sound noggin. Are you with me? God has not given you a spirit of fear. And it is a spirit. But he has given you the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. So he sends his word and heals and delivers people from whatever it is that they're bound by. The truth sets you free. Isn't that right? And the truth is Jesus sets you free from fear. Now, I'll give you a promise. Say, man, I'm I'm concerned about my finances. Don't be. Well, say, you could say that. You ought to be in my shoes. I was once. I've had my challenges. We, you know. But I'm telling you what, praise God, we serve a big God. The Bible says the silver and the gold is his and the cattle on a thousand hills. And guess what? He owns the hills too. Yeah. But it, it's, it's real. I'm not, I'm not negating that, but you don't have to fear. Now, there might be something you have to do. Sorry about that part, but I can't get around that. You may have to do something. But there is a promise in the Scriptures in Isaiah 41.9 that says, Fear not. So, is that a feeling? Or is that an act of our will? Huh? You know when Joshua and Caleb stood up there before all the people and said, Hey, let us go up at once. We are well able to overcome them. Do you think that they may have had to deal with the same things that everybody else did in what they saw, the walled cities, the giants, and all that? But they believed something, you guys. And praise God, you believe something. He said, don't fear. I will help you. I got, I got, to, I got, to, I got to read that to you. Can you bring that up, Isaiah 41.9? I'll just make him do some of the work. I'm doing all the work. Hey, Jim, come on. Chop, chop. There you go. Uh, no. Isaiah 41.9. Nah, that ain't right. Let's see. Uh, 40. Try 40 verse 9. 41.9. 41.10? Let's go to 10. That's close. Give me a break. 10 coming right now. Fear not. Everybody say, I don't fear. For I am with you. How many of you believe that? Be not dismayed. Any of you discouraged this morning? You're going to have to quit. Sorry. No more discouragement. Huh? 
I am with you. Don't be dismayed. Why? Because I am your God. Now, you know, you might go home this afternoon, take your little, you know, siesta or Pentecost nap and wake up and that might just slap you. I am your God. And then he says, I will strengthen you. How many of you believe what God said is true? He said, I will strengthen you. He says, I will help you. He says, hey, yay, (laughs) I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, that's what God said. I said, that's what God said. So you can talk your junk, you know, and all that you want, or you can believe this. Huh? Come on now. Praise God. Guess what? Life just got better. Why? Because by golly, you know, I think we can probably believe the Bible. And it'll probably change our lives. So I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be discouraged. Now, if you're going to keep listening to the junk... Oh, ow. Then guess what? It's going to be real hard to help you. Hmm? But if you want to listen to him, shut that stuff off, dude. Stop listening to that. You know, well, I got my my favorites. If your favorites, dude, are corkscrewing you in the ground... Why is it your favorite? Huh? You know, the Bible says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So choose life so that you and your seed may what? Live. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. i got to quit. It's already 11.20. What else I got here? Okay, I'm closing. Right? Did I say that once? Okay, yeah, I just, yeah. Let me just make a few comments here. A few. You guys ain't got nothing to do for the rest of the weekend anyway. You got tomorrow off. Give me a break. Listen, Psalm 107.20, write it down. 107.20, he sent his word and healed them, delivered them from their destructions. I want you to think about that. I want you to meditate on that scripture. He sends his word. He sends his word. He said, well, pastor, I want you to help me. I'm helping you. I'm sending you, no, I want you to do it for me. That ain't going to happen, dude. You got to, you got to, you got to do it. You got to do it. And, uh, (laughs) oh, you're really going to love this. You can. Because Paul said, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's kind of that want to thing again. Aren't you glad I brought that back up? But here's the thing. He sends his word. He sends his word. He sends his word. He sends his word. And here's the cool thing about it. When his word gets sent, wherever it it finds lodging, where there is faith, praise God, the power of God comes to that place and manifests whatever it is that he promised. But if if he sends his word and it, it doesn't find a place, it gets rejected, then nothing. 
God's method of helping people is to send them His Word and then His power to wherever His Word produces faith in the heart of those people. Now, so in many cases, it's really not a knowledge problem. It's a response problem. Huh? Everybody say, I'm a responder. You know, Jesus made this statement. Remember when he went down uh, where he was living? And he had back down there into uh, Canaan, I think it was, yeah? Nazareth, Nazareth, Nazareth. Yeah, that place. He goes down there and he makes this statement. A prophet, speaking of himself, is not without honor, except in his own country. So in other words, he's saying, I'm honored every place except here. How do you honor the word? Well, you know, I just kind of take it cafeteria style. You know, some of it I like, some of it I don't. So, you know, it's just kind of like whatever uh, I kind of like. That don't work. He said, a prophet is not without honor, excepting in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could there do no mighty work, except he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And so he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So in other words, it's to be regretted this was a response of the people that knew him, but he didn't let that deter him. He just kept right on going, and he went wherever the Word of God could be sown to where it would produce. He sends his Word. I tell you what, praise God, you just need to make up your mind. Say, I'm the guy or the gal, when when the Word is sown, I'm going to take it. I'm going to receive it. And I'm going to do something with it, and I'm going to enjoy heaven's best. You know, the devil, I mean, he'll try to keep you down. He'll keep you, I mean, he'll keep your face in the dirt if he can. But I tell you what, God wants you to rise up. He purchased you with his own blood. And you have every right, praise God, to stand up and be accounted for. Don't let the devil make a victim out of you. You're not a victim, you're a victor. Come on, you got to stand up you got to do what you need to do. You know, you got to man up. you got to woman up. Whatever that is. <clears throat> but your life, sure enough, can be different. You know? And, and again, at the close of all of this, that's what we endeavor to do. We endeavor to provide people with accurate knowledge, just like I have today, of God. To feed you, lead you tell you what can be and what should be instead of what is. Are you with me? Some of you got family members. Oh boy, here we go. You got family members and they're dragging you down all the time because they got all their junk and they come and they shovel it off on your doorstep. And what do you do? You open up the door and put a fan on it and blow it into your house. What's wrong with you? Well, I love them. Well, what does love do? Does love, you know, acquiesce? Does love placate? Does love, oh, I know, you know, all that. That's not what love does. Love says, you know what? This is a difficult place, but God wants to deliver you and get you out of it. But don't be bringing your stuff here. Because this is the oasis of love. This is my castle. You with me? Amen. 
Don't let them do, don't let them do their junk. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about here? It doesn't mean you don't love them. You do love them. But you don't help them by accepting all this junk. And they, they dump it on your doorstep. And you know what? Here's the thing. I'm all about helping somebody if they want to be helped. Huh? I'll give anybody a hand up. But I'm not going to give them a hand out. You know what I mean by that? Understand what I mean by that? Are you with me? Hallelujah. You say, well, that's just not really loving people. Well, I don't know. I think it depends on how you define love. Because if I keep enabling them to do their stuff and I don't help them to get out of their stuff, and sometimes, you know, we call, you know sometimes it, people will call it tough love, you know, especially like when you're talking about, you know, raising kids and things like that. Johnny doesn't need everything Johnny thinks he needs. I don't know if you realize that or not. And that's one of the reasons we have all the problems that we do is because Johnny's gotten everything he needs. And he probably needs something that he hasn't been getting. The form of correction. Huh? You, you, you have um, every right to raise functional, balanced, great kids. It can be done because people are doing it. Are you with me? It takes devotion. I mean, it's an investment. It's a full-time occupation. But you know, praise God, they need you. They really do. And they, want, they will thank you. Who was it I was talking to? <laughs> Somebody's talking about their, their dad being so ornery and different things like that. But when they got old, they realized that they actually thank their dad. Huh? You know, like when you make your kids work. How many of you know most kids don't want to work? Last time I checked, when I was a kid growing up, my dad sent me out into the garden with a hoe and said, go, boy. And when you get done with that, turn around and come back. Talk about a funky job. Flies, bugs, you know, all kinds of stuff. You know all about this, you farming outfit or gardening outfit, you know. And um, how anybody gets a charge out of that, I'll never know. But anyway, he does. When you're a young kid, you don't want to do that. Hot, sweaty. And, and the only encouragement my dad said is, hey, buddy, the sooner you get going, the sooner you'll get done. You know? And then you won't have to be out here in the heat of the day. Well, that doesn't help nobody. Didn't help me anyway. It was true. Huh? But the best thing you can do, praise God, is grab that hoe and get after it. Amen? You know, dirt goes up against the potatoes, it goes away from the onions. Did you know that? How many of you didn't know that? How many of you don't care? Okay, understood. You mound the dirt up on the potatoes, you pull the dirt away from the onion. That way the onion can grow big. There you go. You learn something new every day, don't you? How do I shut this off? She don't even answer. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you stand up because I don't know where to stop. You want to go to the piano, honey? Hallelujah.
Oh, bless your Father. Glory to God. Close your eyes with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Father, we're so grateful to you. And as we stand before you today, Father, hallelujah. I just thank you, Father, for your mercy and your goodness. God, let us take hold. I know there are people in this room, Father, that were quickened by what was said. I know there are people that have watched on the Internet that they were pricked within their hearts about their lives. There was something there, Father God, that came in that moment to bring about change within their life. And Father, I'm asking you to help them right now to act upon what it is that they have heard. I thank you, Lord God, for helping them to be strong and courageous, to be able to do what is necessary, Father, to make changes within their lives. They know they not only need to make, but they can. Now they know they can. And Father, I thank you for your divine support to empower them, to strengthen them, hallelujah, to uphold them, as you said, with your righteous right hand. I thank you, Lord God, that you make all things new. And that, Father, in one moment, just like so many of the stories in the New Testament we read, in a moment, everything changed, just like the woman with the issue of blood. And so, Father, as we're gathered here before you today, in your presence, Father, I want to thank you for speaking to men and women. I want to thank you, Father God, for an enlightening their understanding. Oh, thank you, Father. 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 Just worship the Lord for a moment here. God's doing some things. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, bless you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to men and women here right now. Thank you for decisions being made, Father God, changes that are coming. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty power. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for speaking to their hearts. Ha, ah, thank you, Father. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, while every head is bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you happen to be here this morning, you've never made a decision to receive Christ never asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. That's where all life begins, is that decision. You say, well, I grew up in the church. That doesn't matter. Do you know him? Well, you know, uh, I'm a Christian. Well, are you living for him? Have you given him all of your heart, all your life, all your soul? While your heads are bowed, no one's looking around. If you're here today, you've never asked Christ to be the Lord of your life, asked him to be your savior. You'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hand anywhere in this auditorium this morning? 
Those of you that are watching by internet, if you've never made this decision, now is the time. Anyone here? Hallelujah. I believe God's talking to somebody. Now, so if there's reluctance in your heart, I understand that. I went through the whole process myself. But the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. So he's the door. He's the gate. He is the way into the family of God if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. Again, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you're here, you know, maybe somebody's been talking to you about this and you've just been reluctant. Well, I tell you what, the Bible says today is the day of salvation and right now is the accepted time. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone before we pray today? Hallelujah. 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 Well, we're going to pray. Those of you that are watching by internet, if you've never made Christ the Lord of your life, you can pray this prayer and Jesus will meet you right where you are. Everyone together, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. And I thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's just stay in an attitude of prayer here for just a minute. Praise God. We don't want to miss anything. There may be something else that God wants to do here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just pray with me for a minute? Would you do that with me? Let's just pray together. Hallelujah. If you're spirit-filled, pray with other tongues. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Lord, we look to you today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you, Father God, for your divine spirit. Hallelujah, to bring about, to minister, to manifest yourself, Father, within our midst, to bring about, to bring about, to bring about, to bring about the will of God. Thank you, Lord. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.